This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Um, what do you want to talk about? Well, I mean, um, it's nice to be back. We've done one of these before with our uh, other biggest and ugliest brother. But yeah, yeah, I'm back for for round two, so that's that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm. You're sort of. Uh, you're. We both work in the same industry, don't we? Yeah. You're sort of couple of hospitality boys. Yeah, yeah. You're pretty much back at work now, aren't you? In the most relatively normal capacity yeah. in terms of the hours you're doing i am i am not so i'm sort of in this halfway lockdown you know it's halfway out still still kind of in as well which is which is strange um so yeah i've just been mincing around at home not really doing a lot i actually found something really good uh the other day when um what is it you do in hospitality i'm i'm a chef i cook i cook food yeah and then other people hopefully will eat it enjoy it and give us money for it mm. um and that's all you've done as well isn't it you've been a chef all your yeah life, that's that's yeah that's me i'm i'm in my i'm in my mid-30s now i went to college and trained for it i've uh i've worked in in a various level of places you know some some really good some not so good and it's, um, you know, it's a pretty busy industry that sort of never stops, really. So you think it's not one of them ones where you can work from home. Obviously, you're not going to be working from home. So you think that when when work phones you up and says, uh, you know, we're going to, or you get an email saying we're going to open again on such and such a day, you would imagine you'd be going back to work in a in the way that you're used to. But it hasn't really been like that. I've been doing, I did one shift last week. I did, I've got two this weekend and you're sort of back at work but you're not mm. you know um yeah for any overseas listeners the uh the hospitality industry basically just shut down due to the lockdown so anyone working in restaurants bars hotels everyone had to go home for three months pretty much how did you find lockdown in general 
Um, Lovely. Probably about. <laughs> probably, I had a lot of the same feelings that that everyone else had. Look, this is a situation that nobody, nobody on the planet can uh, can relate to. Do you know what I mean? Like none, no, you know, no living person has ever seen anything like this before. And I don't know how you felt, but initially, when when the first when it first happens, you sort of think, well, this is a bit crazy. Then after a couple of weeks, you say, actually, I'm sitting at home on my ass and getting paid for it. So there is that and you start to yeah. sort of take the positives from from that respect because let's be honest mate you know you 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 work in a kitchen as well you're on you work a long day 10 12 hours you're on your feet all day and you get tired you know yeah. and the the knowledge that you are still earning that money by sitting at home <laughs> yeah you know there's there's definitely um you can definitely look on the bright side there from what's crazy as well is yeah working five days a week in a kitchen you're just knackered all the time so the two days that you've got off generally they're together you've got the same days off every week Mm -hmm. but you've worked places where you haven't the first day off of of your two days off is usually just a write-off you know you're just so tired that you just crash all day so having three months off for me it was really weird because it was like after the first week i was like oh I don't have to just crash all day. <laughs> I can do stuff, you know. So it was it was it was good to just try and take advantage of like when whenever again are we going to have 3 months paid off, you know? It's pretty uh yeah, it's well, pretty I think, unheard of. Like I said, you know, this uh they did talk about you know, you heard on the news there was um references or examples about the Spanish flu, wasn't there, which was I don't know the 1600s or something like that it's uh that's probably not accurate at all but i can't remember exactly when it was anyway my my point is is that these th- kind of global pandemics don't come around that often no. and i think it's been lovely for everybody to you know notwithstanding of course the the, the terrible uh consequences of actually like potentially catching the disease but there'll be a lot of people who will have been healthy and would have stayed at home and got paid for it and possibly looked on the bright side in that respect but um yeah know, a in- lovely time i bought a fucking podcast set up got yeah. a beer set up i've got in my man cave slash granny annex that i've got in this room <laughs> it's just filled with shit that i didn't have before lockdown so like this desk wasn't here <laughs> uh but yeah i mean um at the moment hang on at the moment you're working in, in like it's your, where you work not to get too specific about the actual location but you work in a um restaurant that's in the michelin guide yeah yeah um colchester is you know where we live um in the country is a couple of hours away from london but um it's I said not, not to get too it doesn't matter right okay <laughs> my, my, the point i was going to make was in the area there's not a lot of places that are that are on that level so um it is good to be you know to be working at a place which stimulates me but i think the main thing is is that if you get into if you train to do this to do my job um and in in that training at college and then in your first couple of jobs you're used to working with proper ingredients you know you need to have that stimulation and and taking stuff out of the freezer and warming it up again is never gonna is never gonna um you know is never going to please you enough after you've you've got used to sort of using fresh food and that. So it's still nice to be able to find those places to work, even if uh, 
You, but you, for you though, they're you've not always kind of common in the area. You've always kind of shot for the stars, so to speak, in terms of the quality of food you've always wanted to cook. Because I know plenty of like chefs that went to college and they just wanted to have a career, you know, working in a regular sort of restaurant. You know, that's all they wanted to do. But you, you particularly, your your chef influences were always you know high quality, you know, chefs and yeah. the things you were interested in. You were always looking for that, um, you know experience with your job yeah well i think if you're going to um you know we've been talking about the 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 long days and um the impracticalities of of working in a kitchen sometimes when it's hot when it's stressful there's no point in going for any of that unless you're going to get something out of it in return and I'm not just really talking about a salary because there's easier ways of earning money and paying the bills than doing than doing what I do. So you've you've got to be stimulated by it. It's got to excite you. It's got to motivate you. It's got to, you know, when you when you are running around hot and sweaty and people are saying, "Well, where's this and where's that?" It's got to be. You've got to know that um, when you when you put something together, you know that you're happy with it and um, and that it's it stimulated you to get to that point mm. you know it's a labor of love if you will is the phrase that i use a lot um i recently found a very old <clears throat> piece of journalistic work about chefs which i've been reading a lot in lockdown and it is absolutely brilliant so i don't know how old it is i know that it's old <laughs> it's going to be probably early mid 2000s i reckon is a magazine from the Daily Telegraph where they have basically um, spoken to the, the the front cover says the world's top chefs at home. So they've had a very brief interview with, you know, a, a well-known name in the industry, but then filmed them um, or sorry, f- photograph them in their own environment, in their home environment. Yeah, and then they give you a recipe as well that you can do, which is ideally supposed to be somewhere between those two situations. So they will give you a recipe that you know they would use at home that is practical for a home kitchen, but at the same time, it's the recipe of a top Michelin yeah. chef. Um, Who are that, some of the names? That you, oh, you've got all of the big people in this country. You know, Gordon Ramsay, Heston Blumenthal, Raymond Blanc, Angela Hartnett. Um, chefs that have have built um, an immaculate reputation in this country over a number of nineties, would you say, or two thousands? Like, I I think that the magazine and the the newspaper that Mum got it out of it would have been early two thousands. That um, you know, that I was that that it would have been printed. Um, looking at some of the photos again, that's it's, it's quite good to look at some of the photos and think. Well, time you know, time doesn't stop for anyone kind of thing. Like uh, some of them look really young. Yeah. Um, Ramsey, this, now. he hasn't got a furrowed brow yet. Well, no, he still has to be fair. His, his <laughs> Is face, Marco in it? Is his there a Marco still one? looks like the crater of a volcano uh, in some ways. Marcus is in it. Yeah. He looks really young. He hasn't got the beard. He's got no gray hair sort of thing there. Yeah. There, there's, um, it's, that's, that's very interesting to just see how, um, how some how stress has got to some of them yeah. <laughs> over the years um and also you know when you look at the photos of them in their own in their own kitchens you think oh bloody hell like, i thought that a head chef at a top london restaurant would be able to afford a better house than this yeah but 
um, obviously not only is there the the fact that just purely the practicality, if you're going to live bang in central London, you're obviously not going to have mm. a, a big house with a back garden and a front garden due to where you are in the city. Um, but but yeah, I thought that that maybe they would have they would have nicer places. But what it seems is that all of the money has gone into the kitchen. And then every other room in the house is just like oh, whatever. <laughs> the missus can worry about that, or, yeah. or the other half if they want. If they want to put furniture out, that's up to them. I'm not bothered as yeah. long as the kitchen is absolutely tip top. Um, was, yeah, there, was there any sort of commonality you saw between the kitchens? Like, did they, did, did they particularly have a certain style for each one, or was there like differences that you noticed? Like, I can imagine Heston's kitchen would be like a fucking NASA. <laughs> Sure, yeah. That's well, a room. Yeah, she's you've, more you've, of a scientist than you've kind of hit the nail on the head there. There was a few of them, and Heston is is one of them. There was a few where the photo was taken of them in, in a more professional environment. So they would have their whites on and they would be in what you could clearly tell was a professional kitchen, you know, stainless steel everywhere, mm. polished surfaces, massive extraction unit above their heads. Um, that's not a home kitchen. Um, and you're right, Heston's got you know he's he's there in his whites and his recipe is for a carbonara right which is one of the most straightforward dinners you can make really mm. you know pasta cheese ham and um and it was just a simple plain carbonara but then you you hear about some of the things that this man creates with food and you look at that picture um and although in did, his did he have hair no he had no hair no he looks <laughs> the same he looks the same as a yeah, he's he's one of the few that looks almost identical actually to how he looks these days. He's got the glasses, he's got he's got a bold head, you know, and he's um, Maybe he's made some kind of fountain of youth out of nitroglycerin or whatever he puts in his food, you know. <laughs> yeah. What's, what does he do? He doesn't There's sometimes massive... he doesn't sometimes he doesn't deep fry stuff in oil, does he? He deep fries it in nitro. Uh, what's the really really cold substance? How it is. Oh bloody hell! Yeah, that's a good. Um... Sorry, it's it's um it's escaping me as well, but I know exactly what you mean. It freezes it instantly. Um Nitrous dioxide? <laughs> no, no, no. I can't it doesn't matter. Called. Yeah, we'll we'll if it comes back to me I'll I'll shout it out. But yeah, he's he's lo- he's long had a reputation as a bit of a, a a scientist first and a and a chef second. And you can see in the background that he's got almost, you know, he's got a lab there almost like bunts and burners and beakers and and all of this kind of thing. And, um, but you kind of expected his professional kitchen to look like that because of the, the kind of food that he makes. Whereas seeing, seeing, um, yeah, just these, these top chefs in their own tiny little London apartment kitchen. That's just totally impractical and, and everything like that. I just found it quite interesting. Just also for, for just purely from a nostalgic point of view, I'm, I'm a big believer that, um, nostalgia is a good thing you know and that it's it's nice to um recall things from your past because it fills you with good emotions Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean it gives you good vibes i'm a big i'm a big believer in that um and as somebody whose memory has deteriorated horribly over the years it's also just it's a good relief when you could remember something as well as you'd hoped you could if that makes sense do you know what i mean um and 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 this magazine for me is yeah it's also a massive nostalgia trip because I first got given it you know when I was first starting out college and it was very much like this is what I decided I want to do and this is what excites me 
and and reading it now when you know a bit more it's different to reading it then when I I knew how to make beans on toast and that was pretty much it and it was it was hugely uh, yeah. inspiring stimulating and reading it again although it wasn't as informative as last time it gave me all those nostalgia vibes yeah. of of how I felt the first time I read it so it's been a great find. Um, I might get laminated or something. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's <laughs> get a great it framed, idea. stuck on the yeah, wall. Yeah, I love, um, I mean, not just chefs, but um, there's obviously chefs that I like and respect, some some of which we've mentioned, but uh, actors or directors, I just love hearing old interviews with them or looking back to when they first starting out and you just think, wow, you know, look where they started or um, just, just, you know, the, the, the through of time, what's mm. happened to them. It's always great. There's one guy in there. And it's so available now because of the, you know, YouTube. Mm. You can just go on YouTube and just look at old Gordon interviews when he's yeah. not eating fucking crazy hot wings, you know? <laughs> you can get on yeah, I, uh, I very much enjoyed watching that video with you, actually, last time I was here. The Hot Ones uh, the hot ones video. That's a, that's a good YouTube channel. There's no, you know, it's... I, I challenge anyone to uh, to not laugh when when they watch one of those videos because it is it doesn't have to be a celebrity watching anybody eat something really really spicy <laughs> yeah. is fun. Well, you've got it's, a story about that, fun. right? Eating spicy food when you're working. God, so yeah, I um, this was probably one of the stupidest things that I've ever done in my life, and I've done a lot of stupid things. We were working um, at, um, I was working at Kesgrave Hall and we had from um, the veg supplier, he sent us in a, like one of these, he he had one of the hottest chilies um, you could get your hands on, basically the ghost pepper. And uh, and he, he managed to get, you know, a little, a few kilos of them probably, and i think he always knew that he wasn't gonna be able to sell these you know like if you're yeah how how do you well how do you put that on a menu exactly let's say very much a novelty really exactly exactly and you're gonna have to have a a brave person to you know your average red chili which you'd find in a packet of chilies in the shop you know let's say in your kitchen you wanted to make like a chili jam or something yeah you might order in like a kilo of these chilies and then you would use them all at once to make a jar full of jam, and then that's it, job done. And you might not order another kilo of chilies for yeah. for another four months while you're using up the jam. They, you know, as you've put as as you've just said, it's such a novelty thing. Nobody is ever going to order mm. a kilo of these ghost peppers. I mean, what yeah. are you even going to do with one of them? Let alone, <laughs> let alone a plentiful amount like that. So this guy had. Um, you know this this guy at the veg company had realized that he'd stitched himself up really and that he he'd got him you know he got a, um a lot of these chilies and that he didn't know what what to do with them we ordered him one um just to sort of see what it was like and uh i think all the chefs liked spicy food or were fine with with stuff with chili in but i was always the one who was most open about the fact that i enjoyed hot food yeah you know and that i could take it not in a boasty way but just in a you know yeah i'm fine with it way and they decided i was going to be front of the queue to try this pepper as soon as i put it in my mouth and started chewing i, I had to hiccup i don't know why that 
I got real shortness of breath, yeah. breathing in through my mouth. We ate the whole thing. Well, I took a bite into it. Yeah. You know, there was well, that's more. They they should they say you should have. They say you should just be dabbing it on your food or right. Like, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, and it, there was probably a bit of machoism going on there, um, whatever you call it, where. You know they're all they're all goo, goo, goo. <laughs> I was just, uh, get it down yeah 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 <laughs> so I just thought I'd take a big bite and it was a really stupid thing to do I immediately started hiccuping straight away because I tried to breathe in through my mouth and yeah for some reason the heat of it um it 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 made me it really caught my breath and I had a short shortness of breath and it made me hiccup for some reason that was really strange and then when you try and breathe in through your nose instead you can actually feel yeah. your nose you know starting to become uncomfortable due to the spice mm. like like you've actually stuck it in your nose or something when of course you haven't but just uh just having it on your tongue and then breathing the air into your mouth and then sort of out of your nose or through your nose is enough to pass on the scovilles yeah. if you like whatever <laughs> they're called so it it gets all around your um but then you, you were your ch- sinuses immediately. It gets all in there, and and you were and, challenged to a bet. I remember. Yeah, so the the <laughs> that would have been bad enough on its own, but it, it kind of got a lot worse. Um, <laughs> Quickly and, gets out of hand, like yeah, as yeah. things in kitchens often do. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We had we had the rest of them left, and we we're like, what we're going to do with them? We hadn't spent any money on them, but of course, we wanted to find a way of of putting them to use if we could. Um, and I sort of said, "Well, let's throw them in star food, you know. Let's let's be let's just be assholes about it, and we can put it in the star food, and we can have a right old laugh about it." And obviously, we 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 quickly came to realise that we could get maybe get away with that once, but that management were not going to put up with it moving forward. Um, and they, you know, I was like, again, I was maybe trying to be a bit macho with that. I was like, "Well, I'm, you know, I'd eat them, I'd eat them every day. It wouldn't be fine. It wouldn't be a problem." Cause just put it, you put it in my stuff, food. I'm not bothered, and that's pretty much what happened. There was there was a, a, a big incentive for me because I said, you know, that they 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 kept hinting that that's what they they wanted to do. Well, if you think you can eat all of them, or you know, maybe the managers would let us put it in the food if if they see that you can eat it every day for a week, then everyone else can start eating it every day. Um, I I went along with it for bants reasons <laughs> if you like and then every time that a fellow colleague of mine prepared the staff meals he would take a side of portion for me plate me up plate me up some dinner and then he would put a bit of this chili on it as well um which i was obliged yeah. to finish or to eat and it depends who you got as well, right? If you get someone who actually cares about it and sort sure. of cooks it in, makes exactly. it part of the dish, but then you get... <laughs> exactly, exactly. You, Ham, you... egg and chips, but it's just a bit of chilli sticking <laughs> Exactly right, mate. There was people who there was people who were more considerate than others, and the ones who were having a busy day, let's say, or ones who I'd had an argument with the day before or yeah. something like that, yeah, you'd quickly find that you would get... You know, sometimes they would have... I think once I had it in Eaton mess, I think like it was some, sometimes they would serve for staff food. If there was um, things left over from a big function or a wedding, not stuff that had come back that had been on a buffet, you know, we weren't eating sloppy seconds or anything, but just 
you know, for example, if you've got a wedding for 100 people and the dessert is eat a mess, you yeah. ve- you might very well have some of those ingredients left over yeah. because you've slightly overordered or something like that. Then it becomes easy to give to use these things on a staff meal rather than taking up space, whatever. And yeah, if you're responsible for um, adding some chili to someone's meal <laughs> um, in any way that you see fit, yeah. why wouldn't you just sprinkle it over the what top the of rules? their dessert yeah, what rather the- than actually putting it in the bloody pasta that they ate before <laughs> or, or something like that? You know, like, why wouldn't you? What are the diameters of the bet though? You had to eat all the whole plate, you had to finish the plate. I had to finish the chili on the plate at least, so I had to eat, you know, the the, the person. <laughs> in the end, the rules are really, you know, at the start, the rules are really harsh. Like, yeah, you got to make sure you eat everything and, you know, um, bets off straight away if you don't. There was money on the line here as well, right? All the chefs in the kitchen, most of the front of house staff, they all put sort of a fiver or a tenner down. Um, so there was several hundred pounds uh, that I, I would be taking home if... Damn if I managed to see this thing through, um, it was a month or whenever the chilies ran out, that was, that was the bet. So I had to, I had to have my meal prepared and served to me by somebody else every day for a month with the ghost peppers in or until the peppers were finished. I guess if I wanted me, I could have now that this has just come to me just now thinking about it. Maybe at the time I should have just had like, a really, really horrible nightmare day where I just ate all of them, <laughs> you know? And then for the rest well, of the just month... sneakily threw a few away here and there. Oh, know? I did. I totally did. Of oh, course okay. I did. Right. Yeah, I'm not... That, yeah, yeah, I'm not... I'm not. <laughs> I'm that... in a kilo of these tiny chilies. There's a lot of chilies. Yeah, it? I'm not that against cheating. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I wasn't, I wasn't so... I wasn't so, um, like, moral high ground about it that I thought, no, no, I've got to... <laughs> got to make myself suffer as much as possible for the, for the benefit of the bet and i'm stubborn and i'm gonna show him that i'm immune to this no mate whenever i had the chance to to do myself a favor by getting rid of some or something like that i would do it yeah no doubt i would do it it gradually became easier i think i think um there was a point there was a tipping point where the group collectively they maybe they got together and had a chat about it but i think the group collectively could see that um that you know i wasn't that that i wasn't gonna stop yeah that i was that i was determined to see it through it become it become too big of a thing yeah well i imagine the first few days it's still a bit of a joke gets to about day 16 and you're there eating these chilies and everyone knows how hot they are it stops being funny i suppose right everyone's just like oh come on (laughs) yeah yeah exactly (laughs) come on james like yeah, yeah the, the, this joke, the joke, this the joke, joke is two weeks off. old at this point. Yeah, the joke wore off to at a certain point, <laughs> and, then, and then it became more. Um, yeah, and then it became more of just a. Yeah, you're right. You're right. People started losing interest, um, and then rather than, <laughs> and then it just became sort of my own little mission <laughs> by, my, by myself. <laughs> yeah. Where yeah, maybe I go. Oh, I, I ate another one today. And then I'm, well, we don't care. <laughs> We've seen you. We've all seen you sweating and crying about it. But you did it. Though. How back. much did you get from it, roughly? I can't remember, mate. Um, it would have. It was over eight hundred odd quid or something. Like really? That, I oh, no, yeah. I remember. That sounds like too much, doesn't it? That can't be right. I remember there being an eight in there. Maybe it was eighty quid, hundred eighty, two hundred. <laughs> it's probably more like. <laughs> I don't 80 think you would have done it for eight hundred yeah. quid. 
No, I, I, 800, that's, yeah, surely, surely too much, actually. And but it was spent um, it on 800 pounds worth of Muller Corners. Yeah, yeah, of, of yogurt smoothies. Well, it's funny we mentioned hot ones, because the guy who does hot ones, he does this every week, you know, he eats these insanely hot chicken wings every week. You must feel like after a, a few times that you build up this immunity to it. Yeah, did, you, you, did you build up an immunity to it, though? Do you, do you remember being like, okay, right, this isn't, it's not hurt, it's not burning as much as it was. No, I, I yeah, yeah, there was that. Um, it's a difficult thing to balance. In With the example of this guy, he is eating, what he is eating is, is very hot, but it is a consistent thing. Hmm. Every time he does one of those shows, it's the same sources in the same order. Yeah applied to his chicken in the same way you know i got i got i got it all mate you know some people like you say some people actually bothered to cook it some people would would sprinkle it (laughs) chop it up sprinkle it over raw some people would try and hide it in there so you didn't really even know where it was some people sometimes would even just stick one on the side like you do a pickle chili on a kebab just like there you go just take a just take a bite out of that so i was i was you know, I was receiving this. Uh, I was getting my 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 own hot ones. Game was was having the rules changed every day. Yeah. Basically, you know, um, and there was no celebrity to talk to, dude. It became, it just became a, a bit of a blur, really. <laughs> you know, because we must obviously. I have to remind people that this was at work and I did actually have a job to be doing at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so for for all of the fun of staff food coming up at five o'clock and there being about an hour of me having a nightmare, you know, the rest of the time I was expected to do my job yeah. to a decent level and I couldn't very well turn around and go, oh, guys, I was, my tongue really hurts, so... I'm just yeah. going to be a bit crap well, well, today. Also, I'm thinking as a chef, you're going to still have to post, you know, six o'clock whenever star food is. You're still mm. going to have to be tasting dishes. Yeah, mate. They must have kind of fucked yeah. your job a little bit. Yeah, no, it did. Yeah. I, I didn't have a palate for for most of the time that that was going on. And whoever else was on my section would would taste would have to <laughs> taste my food. Yeah, I didn't. I, I, would, I would try and taste That's food. Safe. I would try and taste food if I had a sauce or a dressing or something that would needed tweaking. I would put a spoon in and taste it, but you know I might as well have been. It could have been anything from, hmm. you know, water to Worcestershire sauce. You know, it, yeah. it didn't make any any difference. My palate was well, my taste buds weren't picking it up, so um, it became it became someone else's job to do that it, it, it was um it started off as a laugh I didn't I don't think anybody thought it would last as long as it did and in the end it just became about me and my power of will mm. basically and wanting that money like wanting something to mm. show for my efforts at the end of it yeah I've always I've always remembered <laughs> even before I worked in the kitchen I've always remembered that little story because you hear about stuff like that and I've seen stuff like that happen all the time like a kitchen it's an absolute wild west of just egos and pranks and just dumb you know relentless just dumb conversations that go on you know I if you haven't worked in a kitchen I often don't know how to describe it to people because it's just so 
like unlike any other kind of workplace working with chefs is kind of its own thing you know mm. i mean it's hard for me to compare because i don't i don't know any different yet but yeah i would imagine that the floor of the floor of debenhams or something is not you know the work environment's completely different um to to most others um maybe that attracts a certain crowd or maybe that means that um you know, I think the, the stress plays a big, big part. Like our brother made a good point when I was talking to him about my job where he's like, well, a lot of jobs, they require you to be, um, you know, someone who's a, a plasterer or a builder is maybe on his feet all day and he's putting his body through, you know, putting his body through stress and his brain is maybe only working a part of the, part of the time. Somebody who works in an office sitting down in a chair is not working their body, but they are constantly using their brain. And I think in a kitchen, you both of those things are, your body and your mind are both working hard, pretty much most, if not all of the time. Um, and maybe the environment of, you know, things like stress and fatigue are going to be more obvious in our work environment than other people's. Maybe this is what, do you know what I mean? Like that plays into the kind of atmosphere yeah. that you get. It plays into the kind of the vibe. Um, people's fuses are shorter. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and it just feels like there is sort of less time to to get anything done, you know? And, and like the spectrum is so wide as well. Like, you know, Guy, our brother's job, let's see, he works for company A, and the closest competitor is is company B. Um, they will, they may, I don't know. Maybe this is me. I'm, I might have sound ignorant here because I'm I'm summarising something that I don't know anything about. But I would assume that they would have an office with desks and computers, and there may be eight to ten in a small company uh, that he works for. There may be eight to ten people in that office. Uh, I would argue in company B, the competitor over the road. I would assume that it's a similar situation, yeah. a similar workspace with a similar amount of staff, with a similar amount of responsibilities that those people have. Whereas, you know, in our industry, I work in a tiny kitchen, a really, really small workspace with three other chefs um, and one kitchen porter. So there's only ever five people in my workspace at any one time. You can have up to 10, um, 10 or 12, you know, a much bigger workspace, different equipment, different facilities, different ways of doing things. So every working environment is different. Um, and therefore the results are different, you know, not every place. Like there's, there's a lot of different ways to serve food out there, isn't there? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of different ways of being a restaurant. And, um, well, you've worked in some really high, high class places though yeah yeah i mean London, you were working in like some kind of old crazy listed building with a clock that like was worth like 10 grand or million pound or whatever right. like <laughs> wow my with yeah my my memory is not what it was so you'll have to forgive me i, I would love to you know talking earlier with the the i'm a believer in nostalgia being a good a positive um a positive mental thing to have like if i could uh, think back to all the best places I've been. Certainly in London, I would I'd love to recall them, but they just don't. I'm 
yeah, I'm not, I'm not as good at remembering mm. stuff as I used to be. But I think that that's, probably... that's similar with a lot of chefs, though. They, um, I mean, I know what you go through in that, but a, a lot of chefs talk about they're like, oh yeah, this happened, but they couldn't remember where it was that it mm. happened because they've just worked in so many kitchens and it all sort of blurs into one. I imagine because when you're a chef, you're just a chef, and you just now I'm a chef here, now I'm a chef there. So yeah, um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. That you you can break that cycle once you once you get to a certain rung on the ladder. I think um, I think you would want to break that cycle, and you would start to um, feel more confident in um, what, what what kind of place that you want to work and what kind of food you want to do. I think when you're younger, you sort of, you have a lot of energy, don't you? When you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not as good at dealing with a, a long day on my feet as I used to be when I was younger. And generally I would, in my twenties, late teens and twenties, I would love to, I would, I, I would love to work hard with a, you know, with a team, with a group of guys that you're all in it together. And, and then, um, you know, it, it didn't, I wouldn't say it didn't matter so much what the, the, the food that we were doing, but the main thing that I was learning was how to work in the dynamic of a kitchen, mm. you know? Um, because you work at college and it'll teach you how to cut an onion, but you never, you can't learn what it's like to be working in that environment until you're actually in it. Um, whereas the thing when you get a bit older, it's actually... Um, now I'm starting to look at it in a slightly different way. I'm thinking, you know, where can I work? What what food can I do that will stimulate me enough to feel that the the energy that I'm putting into it mm. is worth it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, mate, you can't, um, you know, I don't, I don't think I, what what I'm doing now, I don't think I can do it till I'm 50. I don't think that the body and the mind is is made for that you know, like 40 plus years of, of constantly doing that five days a week. So I think for most chefs, they, they'll, and for every, every individual, they'll know when that time is in their own personal career, but every individual should eventually get to a point where they think, right, well, I need to just take my foot off the gas a bit here. Yeah. And they all find their own ways of doing it. Like, you know, chefs that have, you know, progressed, become, head chefs where they get to just sit in an office most of the day or um we know a chef that's found an alternative he's just like opened up like a van and he's doing that now or they've just sacked it in do you hear about so many chefs that just aren't chefs anymore they often go into care i don't know why that is but <laughs> moving from uh working a kitchen to care is pretty um common i don't know why but mm. um yeah i I guess it's one of the, I guess it's a natural path of still preparing food, but without with the worry of serving customers, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because although, you know, obviously if you're in care, you, you're going to, people are going to be eating what you're cooking, but you've not got to worry about um, a ticket coming on and how long have they been waiting for that. You haven't got to worry about, 
you know, this person this person may or may not have an allergy to this, so now I've got to compare it completely different. Like there would there will be structures in place um to worry about that sort of thing. And I think that it's it's still working with food, but in a lot in a in a in a much more structured and um consistent way, which is probably easier for people when that once they get a bit older, it's easier for chefs to um you know, to, to deal with that. And like you were, you know, you recover easier. You probably sleep better. You probably have more time to arrange, arrange things in your life that you need to get done. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, yeah, that's the same as what I was saying earlier about lockdown, like two days, two days a week, your days off first day is always just a write off, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's due to the fact that the working in the kitchen is just so draining, Mm. like physically that, um, like, I mean, I was working yesterday, but it was fairly calm. So today I'm, you know, up and about, but it's not always like that. Sometimes mm. it's just, do you, um, you know, does that, does that bother you? Or? Well, yeah, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. It's, it is, it's frustrating because I've, I've got a lot of friends who work in, um, offices or, you know, they work from home at the moment, but they've often just got the weekend off and to have a job like ours where you you did you know, your days off are just different every week and you never get the rotor on time and you just Yeah. You know, I mean for me, I'm a kitchen porter, so my hours are always different. Generally for you it's always the same hours during mm. the day that you're working. But it's just like I just never know. I've got no consistency in my life. That's part of the reason why this podcast just doesn't happen as often as I'd like it. Because either I'm too tired to do it or um, I just don't have time to do it. And it's frustrating. But at some point, you know, I'm, gonna, think, I'm not going to be doing what I'm doing forever. I'm going to figure out a way to get out of it. But You know, I, 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 um, I feel the same. I feel the same about my job. When a couple of minutes, when you, a couple of minutes ago when you said... You know, this is these are the options that chefs have available to them. You know, I think you were basically spot on. The options that you've got are to become work your way up the ladder to the point where you're a head chef in a place. Um, then you are effectively, depending on the, the the hierarchy, you're effectively your own boss. Then you know that you've reached the top of your specific industry ladder. Um, your pay will obviously reflect that your hours I would imagine will reflect that I know that the the head chef where you work for example is is normally gone um, you know he doesn't do a 10 12 hour day like like the other chefs he, he'll do more of a nine to five type situation um, you know that's the first most obvious option your second option is um, the example that you gave to uh, Brendan who we know who's got his uh, his meat truck you you go into business yeah. for yourself. You start your mm. own business around food, um, which there are a myriad different ways of doing now. Um, and the third option is to pack it in and try something else, yeah. or to you know within yeah try and move out of a kitchen. Maybe still be around food, but try and move out of a kitchen. There, they're the. I think uh, for you, the three I think options. I've I think I've spoken to you about this in the past, like working because we've worked together in a kitchen before and you are so entertaining about the way that you work and you're so cool and confident in the kitchen like unlike anyone like Brendan maybe like he's pretty cool as well but um have you ever thought about doing you know training like or doing something like a podcast or um 
getting someone who can film and edit and you could do like videos professionally made videos on youtube if that if that ever came up would you be interested in something like that because definitely you're a you know a chef who could who's got the charisma to do something like that oh, thank you yeah i mean i um and i'm not, sure i like that you know some chefs are just you know they they, they like the food but the grumpy bastards <laughs> yeah <laughs> no I, I definitely am that person as well um you just got to get me on the right day no i um i think i i would be open to doing that there's no doubt that um the power of you know social media and you having um you 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 putting content online and and creating a following or a, a community around that where people are interested in your online content that's a huge way that's a huge uh it's a, a huge thing that makes the world go round now that's a big deal that's mm. a big part of of modern life in terms of what people, what do people watch and read that stimulates them? What do people, you know, like to listen to? And, uh, and the vast majority of times you get that, um, through social media and, um, YouTube and, and things like that. It's something that you want to talk about in terms of, um, paywalls, right? You would, you would yeah, talk about just, that, that, that's, that's the, yeah, that's the sad part of it. I think it's, I think it's a good thing that um, the platform that is the internet and social media, that it allows everybody to, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a completely, um, it's an industry that didn't exist a few years ago yeah, and now it does. At first, it started off independent people, people who were taking a chance at it, and now corporations and companies have figured out a way to monetize it themselves. And things that you we were talking about before the podcast, pay paywalls, is a frustrating thing when you're trying to read an article <laughs> or you're trying to watch something. And it's just I, I get frustrated with YouTube these days because it's just constant ads. And you know, I know that the the, the website couldn't exist without them, but. The, yeah, just the amount of monetization that goes on in terms of that sort of thing where you just want to get some the content that you want um and the only alternative is to just pay for their whatever premium plus service they offer and just yeah <laughs> get rid yeah. of that shit no it's it's frustrating when you're used to having used to reading or watching something um and not paying for it and then all of a sudden, you are asked to pay for it, <laughs> um, and that's 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 a difficult thing to get your head around. Particularly when, as you've just rightly pointed out, you can clearly see that these people are receiving money yeah. through advertising. So, you know, it was free before. And you don't you don't need the money from the consumer because you've got the money from advertising. So why then do you need to to take money from the consumer as well? I can only put it down to capitalism and greed. Like I don't know if I'm <laughs> well. Naive. I mean, you got to take it on a case by case basis. Like if you listen, if there's a podcast that you enjoy and they start running ads or they talk about ads on their show, I'm kind of fine with it because it's like, well, they're just moving up, aren't they? They're just trying to. They've got they've got to keep the lights on as well. Mm. Um, 
But you were talking about articles and stuff, and that does frustrate me because it's just like you so many people go on your website already, and I've got to scroll down, read a, one third of the article, and then to keep reading, I've got to pay. It's like, I fuck off. Like, yeah, yeah. And and another thing, I don't know, maybe you can explain this for me because I'm, I'm not sure I really get it. I'm a bit done with it. Even Even if you haven't got, like the example you gave is a good one right so you, you're reading through the article you get two-thirds down and then it says sign up now for just seven dollars a month and you can read as much of this as you want <laughs> and then of course you exit um because you don't want to pay seven dollars a month but even on the ones that don't charge you right you'll you'll read down you'll get to that bottom bit again but instead of it having money there it'll just say to continue reading, please sign in with your account. Yeah. Do you st- I, the arrogance. <laughs> explain this to me. Like, I mean... <laughs> what are some examples? I'm, I'm that glad got, that you're what, not... What are you reading? Like, just on, like... Because you read The Times, don't you? Or, or what, what are you reading? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Telegraph on the... The Times is behind... I've, I've got an iPhone. The Times is behind News Plus, so I don't I don't get to read that anymore, which is annoying. But you still get The, the Telegraph and The Guardian that aren't behind News Plus, but you have to have an account with them. I'm doing massive inverted commas now <laughs> with my with my fingers in front of my... You have to have an account with them in order to continue reading their articles, which, if they're not going to charge you money, I, I don't see the point of... Well, my, I have my suspicions that it's, it's kind of just about uh, cookies and privacy settings yeah. and all this kind of thing um and that even if they they don't want to take their money they don't want to take your money sorry they want to take as much of your information as they yeah, possibly because that's can. way more um valuable right <laughs> it's frustrating as well because everyone complains about fake news like oh this is trending on twitter um or whatever and it's generally I've, I've i don't know if this is true i haven't put any research into it at all i haven't read anything about it but is it? Do you not feel like sometimes someone with a bit of a following is just reading an article and not taking it all in, or they just read a headline and then they tweet it out, and then suddenly this whole thing is blown up, mm. and then it's, it comes out later that it's not true? You know, there's this whole Johnny Depp and Amber Heard thing going on at the moment because the Sun newspaper called him a wife beater. You know, stuff like that goes on because people aren't doing their research or it's not coming out. In the way it should. Media is fucking... I don't know what the fuck's going on. It's, I mean, you've got... I've already used a Wild West analogy once in this podcast, but <laughs> I think I'll do it again. The state of um, the way information is is doled out to the general public is just... I don't know what the fuck is happening. You go on Twitter and it's just people screaming at each other. And... I don't know. I don't know how, I this, I don't know how, to... this, I don't know how this ties back to payrolls, but I just wanted to have a little rant there about that. Well, I think I think... Pay walls. Sorry. Yeah, pay walls is, um, I think, is part of the natural evolution of the digital age that we live in mm. now. Um, and part of that is, part of that evolution has been the the, the privacy things and, the, and the, the, the things that you were just saying there. I think it is important that we make a distinction in this conversation between the media and social media. Yeah. Because they are, the media word in social media has never been more apparent to me 
and has never that word has never been weightier if that makes sense do you see what i mean when i first took an interest in social media i would go on twitter so that i could see tweets from famous people or people that i wanted to follow or people that i was interested in and so that i could directly contact you for example Mm. another person that i knew without speaking to him on the phone the social aspect of social media was what mattered to me yeah when i first got into it and when i first discovered it when it first became a thing and let's be honest like me and you don't we're not really massive on facebook essentially I, what i'm talking about here is twitter when i yeah. say the word social media essentially what I'm, what I'm talking about is twitter nowadays it's for me it's flipped on for me it's just completely flipped on its head um the media aspect of social media for me is now the more powerful part of it, the more, uh, um, you know, the, the more useful part of it, if you like, like it's, it's, it's very informative. Like most of the news, if I don't want to, you know, because most, most of the news now, when I, when I want to find out about something, I find out about it on Twitter Yeah, because it's not behind a paywall. (laughs) Um, and I think that it's. But then um, again, you don't. But when you read something on Twitter, you're only hearing the surface level because you have to to find out the deeper, real information. You have to actually click on a link, scroll down, pay. Mm. You know, so you, you never. It's always just filtered on Twitter. I found it's always just like black and white. Always, you know, you never that, you never get is, the gray area subtleties. Just but that is social Twitter. media, isn't it? Yeah, that is social media. And it's a problem. I think it's, it's, it's the same. Problem. It's the same with Instagram. If you you know the word filters is, is the word isn't it <laughs> yeah. like what you know i could take a photo of instagram's garbage of my it. own mug I fucking hate instagram <laughs> i know right like i don't so, and face facebook and instagram they're both fucking yeah shit. yeah I and don't, twitter's going that way as well i don't have it i don't have it um I, my ego isn't big enough <laughs> that's a that's another thing that's similar to the paywall thing but again it's not a paywall um because I don't have an account, when I click on to a link on the internet with Instagram, it will take me to the page, but not log me in because I don't have an account. So, if, for example, um, you know, a chef, a chef will be on Twitter and say, look at this post that I've just put on Instagram. It's a really good plate of food. I'll click on the link. It will take me to Instagram and it will show me that plate of food and I'll think, wow, that's a good looking plate of food. And then before I can look at any of the other pictures, it will say, please log in to continue or Instagram is better in the app. Why don't you, <laughs> why don't you download the app? You know, please log in to continue. And I, I don't want the app. I don't want an account. I just want to see this bastard guy's plate of food. Um, Max, this clearly isn't a paywall because I haven't had to pay money to see that no. guy's plate of food. But it's along those lines. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It gives me the same vibes. It it it, it stimulates the same annoyed emotions in me that, that the paywall does. And 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 this is the way that it's going now. And and it it does bother me, and it does concern me, and it does irritate me. And I and I'm not really sure how I can lessen those feelings because. 
I don't I only see it going one way. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not I'm not sure how the average Joe like me and you who's got a who essentially all this crap is aimed at to exploit, like how do we <laughs> how do we how do we deal with that? How do we uh, rationalize that? How do we get used to that? Like do, do you see what I mean? Like when, yeah. when when I first got Twitter, I it's a bit of a laugh. Yeah, it was a bit of a laugh. It was yeah, it was a bit of a laugh and and it was like, "Oh, I'm going to you know, at Thierry Henry, like, like oh, I'm going to talk to you. It was a bit, you know, oh, celebrities are right there. Kind of, yeah, it was, um, it was a surreal kind of weird thing. Um, and, and I certainly didn't see it as like a go-to place for information. Mm. Whereas, now, whereas now that's yeah. kind of what I see it as rather than a place to be social. Mm. I see it as a place to, for, for information. Well, I think as well, Twitter is a, it's, there's a huge um, percentage of Twitter. There is just people screaming at corporations when they want a refund. Because <laughs> right. it's the easiest way to get attention. If you want to just, ah, uh, my Pepper Army was a bit, it was open when I bought it. Oh, uh, just tweet a Pepper Army. I, that actually happened to me. And then they tweeted back, um, like what? What are we at in this society where you could just openly, publicly just tweet a corporation and they have to reply, otherwise they look like assholes? <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. People, people have learned. People have learned to. Uh, yeah, I know people that have just got Twitter just for that reason. <laughs> that's <laughs> kind of yeah. That's kind of not really what it was created for. I don't think <laughs> the, these people are exploiting it for. Uh, well, that's what corporations get because it's it's lame. Like. Yeah, uh, and Twitter used to be cool. It was just people on there, celebrities on there, whoever, just talking, sh- sharing their in point of view or sharing their new album or whatever. And then all the companies got involved, and now you can act Coca Cola. It's just like this is what this is for. It's become this is just it's stupid. become like a lot of other things um, on the internet. It's become advertising. It's become an advertising tool. Um, it's about advertising yourself as a as a product or whatever, you know. Um, but it's also, you know, it's also a way for companies not to advertise what, you know, not to, to get, to maybe to get closer to the customer, if you know what I mean. And then if you send a, you know, they can get joke, you can get jokey with them. Like, Oh, I found this this pepperami down the back of my couch or something, and it's still just as delicious today. <laughs> and then they'll send you a reply with a little winking emoji, like yeah. "You're damn right it is." Um, Let's see if I can find the things. These these are all actually. that that's all stuff that um, that's good advertising, I guess. It's become about yeah. It's become it's become about advertising. I don't. I think a lot of um, brand names that are on Twitter. Most of the tweets you see in their timeline were about the new limited edition this is coming out or the, you know, the box set for that is coming out. It's a lot of advertising. And then when you're looking at not companies, but individuals that you follow, you know, they sort of advertise them themselves as well. Yeah, so I, I, this is like a year ago. I tweeted, "Don't be putting a pepperami in your back pocket." Didn't even at them; just put the word pepperami, and then the official at pepperami tweeted me, 
Why not, mate? <laughs> and then I said, shut up. <laughs> and that was it. And then they followed me. So nice. stupid. Like, what's the point? Like, what the. Because you know. What a great exchange. You know is. as well that the only reason that Twitter at Pepper Army exists is to justify someone's desk. Someone has to sit there all day going through, not the at Pepper Army, just typing in the word Pepper Army into Twitter and then replying to everyone. You know? It's just like, what's the. It's just. I don't know. So stupid. <laughs> I think we're both, in a way, we're both asking the same question is kind of what, yeah, what is the point of social media anymore? Like, what does it represent now? Because it's not, to me now, it represents media and not, it doesn't represent the social bit, it just represents the, the media bit. And, um, you know, who knows how long it's going to be before there'll be bloody paywalls on that as well, yeah. you know? Like when you're on the, the the bloody news app and you can read something for free in the sun or the another horrendous newspaper like the Mirror and you don't have to go behind the paywall for that. People know what good content is, I think. And stuff behind, you know, stuff like the Guardian and the Times is always behind a paywall. Why isn't the sun behind a paywall? Do you know what I mean? Why isn't Twitter behind a paywall? Because it's a crock. Mate, my... For just $4 a month... Sign up for Twitter Premium. Tweet, tweet. This is my assumption is that this will happen. You jest, and yeah, you you're right too because it's a fast. But I I don't think that it's unrealistic <laughs> that that will happen. Do you, you want six hundred characters in your tweet? Sign up. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right. You, I I see you're following Kobe Bryant now and LeBron James, but. For just six dollars a month, you could follow Michael Jordan <laughs> and Kareem Al Jabbar. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Like when you when you click on someone's account and it says maybe oh this account's private or these tweets are protected, follow this person to see their content. Yeah. I don't know. I know that's a thing. Maybe on on I think that's a thing on Instagram, but I'm not sure yeah, if it's it is, a thing yeah. on Twitter. It is a thing. Yeah. It is Anyone a thing. can private. I, yeah. I private. I'm private on Twitter. Yeah. Well, the podcast tweet Twitter isn't. But <laughs> now now that that will be that will be monetized. You'll have to pay six pound a month if you want to stop people from seeing your tweets, or if they don't, if they keep that free, like you've already got the setting on there, so maybe they won't charge you for it because it's already a thing. Hmm. They'll say, "Well, these private accounts. If you privatize your account, you'll now have the option to charge people to see the the yeah. tweets or not." Do you see what I mean? Um, moments in threads, you'll be able to read some, but you won't be able to read others. Yeah. They'll be behind a paywall. Um, the internet is like how a lot of people buy a lot of stuff in their lives you know and i'm not just talking about amazon because it's convenient um and getting stuff delivered in terms of shopping like they pay for information they pay for knowledge they pay for context you know yeah and and this is uh this is a bad place to be going, I think, for, yeah, you know, a lot of people out there who, there's a lot of people out there with a mobile phone, and, and a lot of those people will have social media apps on their phone, and a lot of those people with the social media apps on their phone will use them every day, um, and will be constantly, 
mate, we've you know I came I came round here two three hours ago, and I've I've spent most of the time talking and catching up with you two. I've still managed to look at Twitter twice yeah. on my phone since I came in here. I've shown you a Trump tweet today, dude. <laughs> there was there was no there was there was no specific reason why I needed to do it. It was like a reflex action. Yeah. It was like having an, you know, an itchy nose and scratching it. it was, yeah. And and I find as well because I'm constantly on reading other people's opinions all the time on Twitter or Facebook. I'm just less creative because there's a part of you like the creative self in you. You have to be bored sometimes, you know. Because your body just naturally, I find when I'm bored, I just naturally, like when I'm trying to sleep, that's when I'm most creative in my mind. I'm just constantly coming up with ideas when I'm trying to get to sleep. And uh, that's because I'm just lying there, bored as fuck. Mm. So if I if I need to think, if I need to be creative, I usually just will not do any of that all day. I'll just try to stay off social media, mm. you know. I'll only message my mates or something, you know, because it just, it dampens that creative side of you if you're just constantly reading other people's opinions all the time it's just it's, it's, it's just a bunch of bollocks a lot of the time and my twitters i mean both my twitters are pretty much unusable because <laughs> the podcast one i use is just full of people like uh <laughs> i follow so many podcasts like yeah hundreds <laughs> and they're just like new new episode or they've retweeted people like has anyone got any podcast recommendations? Uh, so many of those. Like, yeah. I've constantly people asking for rec- podcast recommendations. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if you sometimes Twitter's just unusable. Well, what, um, speaking of podcasts, sorry, I want to change subjects here. Well, just before we finish up soon. Um, on my regular show, Dishcast, I have a segment now where I uh, shout out a podcast. I haven't got much for following, but I'm just <laughs> I listen to a lot of podcasts, different podcasts. It's a thought that counts. Um, yeah. And uh I just figure if I talk about them on the podcast, then I tweet them, then they will retweet me. And really it's just a big scheme. But <laughs> a scam or a scheme? It's just a scheme, you know. Right. I've not taken any money. There's no paywall. Um <laughs> if you but uh since since you're here, it's Rollies out the back. Do you want to just talk about some podcasts you listen to? Um yeah, sure. I mean they're not with the greatest respect, mate, I'm not sure that they're in a position where they really need a shout out yeah, from us. Know. You know, they're they're, they're <laughs> that's fine. They're man. bigger things. I mean, I'm a. You know, this will probably disappoint a lot of your listeners um, very much, but I'm a football fan or a soccer fan for those who live outside Europe, and um, it's one of the few things that I actually know anything about. Um, but there's there is music ones as well. But it's um, it's mainly in in sport and um, and 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 football. I mean, there's um, there's a couple from um, you know official ones from like BT and the Premier League and all that sort of stuff. But it's the the smaller individual ones that I like. So there's one called Set Piece Menu, um, which is uh, you've got an ex-player who used to play for Everton, um, somebody who writes for the New York Times, and then a couple of other presenters. And it, there's it's just a very... They basically all get together in... Well, this is what they did pre-lockdown. And I guess they do it over Zoom now. But they, what they used to do was get together in a, in one of their kitchens, have some food, 
and just talk about stuff and it's very organic it's a little bit like what what me and you have done here and you don't set out uh like a schedule yeah you know 28 minutes in we're going to start talking about this or this has to come up after seven minutes it seems to like good conversation it seems to grow quite organically quite naturally so that's good and um and they're just they're smart guys you know um second captains um (laughs) you're gonna laugh now that's a paywall (laughs) (laughs) I pay six pound a month to to get those. Maybe that's different eight, though, because that's, six, that's eight pound a month. Yeah, well, you've got them on Patreon, haven't you? And yeah. they've they've got their free content, and but they've set up a Patreon, and that's extra content. Yeah, you know, that's yeah, if you're, you're right. in, interested in. They're not taking anything away. No, they're not. You know? No. Um, what but, what was free is still free, and yeah, that's, remains that's free. absolutely the best way to do it. Sure. Yeah, and and I must say, I think it's totally worth it. Like what I pay, I I. You know, no part of me ever thinks, oh, well, maybe actually I could do without them. Like they are, I get, I get one every five days a week, every week, day of the week, and they are fantastic. You know, they're really good. And um, I don't think that, um, I think I'd be more bored in my life if yeah. I, if I didn't listen to this podcast, you know, I'm pretty bored anyway, as it goes. Um, but this, yeah, that's, that's definitely my favorite one. I mean, they they do focus mostly on sport, um, but they they do politics as well. They've done one, you know. Obviously, they've any any big um, world issues certainly around this time with things going on corona wise. They've done a few political ones that have been really good. Um, they've got one called "The Day That Changed My Life" or something. I think that's actually the one they've released today, where they'll speak to um, a well known sports person or celebrity about like a definitive moment you know in their career where they sort of uh yeah you know the 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 meanings in the head in the title I guess you know what it means that what what changed their life or they felt was a big deal for them and that's that's good to listen to you know they have good guests on as well it's not always just them talking amongst themselves like they do have good guests on but they've got a good dynamic and you can tell that um that they enjoy doing it and then that obviously i think makes for a better product overall second captains is what it's called isn't yeah it? second yeah. captains cool yeah i think i follow them on twitter really good i mean there's just one i very very recently found one from um clown from slipknot called the uh, bear with me here please the electric theater with clown so I was listening to Daniel P. Carter's Radio 1 rock show, which he does on a Sunday night, and he said that that's what he'd been doing. Um, he'd been speaking to him for a podcast, and that was that was where I found out about it. Um, and he was a guest on like episode number seven. So that's the only one I've listened to so far, but it was a, it's a decent length. It's an hour and 18 minutes. And it's a, it was really, really good. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to listening to more of the people that he's uh, that he's got on there. They're not all amazingly familiar to me. Um, there are, I think, like some artists and, and maybe like magazine illustrators, things like that in there, rather than just exclusively metal musicians. But there are a couple of heavy metal musicians in there. The singer of Lamb of God, the guitarist of Trivium, who I know I will, I will definitely want to listen to at some point because I like those bands. 
Um, and yeah, I've only listened to one so far. That's been pretty good. And then the last one, just on music, is called The Cosmic Barbecue, which is done by a band that I like called Dinosaur Pileup. Um, and they, <laughs> it's, it's uh, I wouldn't call it polished. Do you know what I mean? It's just sort of three bros having a beer and mm-hmm. just talking about whatever. But they've they've had some funny stories because they're a band who's been touring the UK for a while without ever really getting very big, ever really blowing up. Um, so they've they've had a lot of stories about sort of what it's like to to tour a band while still having a full time normal job and you know all of that kind of thing. So. That's Great. been good as well. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to talk to you for out we've talked for hours off off show, but you know, if we did another one of these, let's just talk to you about podcasts because I know you're a big podcast listen to listener. Yeah, I think mate. you probably are the person that got me into listening to podcasts and maybe this show wouldn't exist if you hadn't. So <laughs> um yeah, I think we should uh, wrap this up, James. Thanks Cheers uh, for having me, bro. Thanks for it's coming always, on. It's we'll, always good to come we- back to the 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 max lab <laughs> thanks for listening everyone happens. uh it's been it's been rollies out the back <laughs> with a uh, dish boy and dish boy's brother uh thanks for listening i need to come up with a better handle than that we'll <laughs> leave it there for now Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.